Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Grab your Bibles. Let's turn in the word tonight. Thank you, Lord. I want you to turn to the book of Colossians. So happy to see everybody in church tonight on this cold November day. Wow. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Hallelujah. We're going to read in verse, starting in verse 12. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for every man, woman, and child in this place. Lord, we invite you to come in and speak. We invite you, oh Lord, to come and have your way. Thank you for your word. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So Lord, we relinquish control tonight. Give us ears to hear you tonight speaking to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was a little surprised this morning when I woke up, started the truck twice. I love, what's that thing called? Auto start? Oh my goodness. It's a lifesaver. And I decided it's negative six. Was it negative six? Is that right? So I did it twice just to make sure, you know. I'll pay for the gas later, but it was very, very, very cold, and uh, um, I'm so proud of everybody for getting out and getting, uh, how did you like the snow on Thursday? Some of you are going, all the kids are like, yeah, wait, maybe all the kids, only, only if you don't have to shovel the snow, right? Right there. So I, I, have, um, I have some video, a video, quick video I want to share with you tonight, um, what my kids and I did this last Thursday, and um, we, I love getting out in the snow. It's actually my favorite time of year to go hiking. I know you guys are all looking at me like I'm crazy, but I really, really enjoy it. And I don't know if the media department, they've, we, we do a tradition, my husband was speaking about the tradition we do with our Christmas songs, but... On the day of the first big dump of snow, we have another tradition. Do you guys have that video? I don't know if you got it. So this is my son. <laughs> this is my son, Ikella, showing me how responsible he is. So that is our four-wheeler. Just, just pause it right there. We have a tradition on the first big dump of snow. We have a, a, a farm with a pasture, and we take our kids towing, okay? Wow. Sorry. <laughs> that scared me. 
you can see on there uh, our, our four-wheeler. We've got some great tires on that. And that's our tradition uh, on that first day of snow. And Ikello was actually showing me how responsible he was because before I came out there videoing him, he was going about 20 miles an hour pulling his sister around the pasture. So I, I also have some other, other pictures I want to show you really quick. And yes, it has to do with, okay, so that's after I pulled my kids going 20 miles an hour through the pasture. You can't see them, but that is Eliana and Ikella uh, with their faces down on the, the inner tube. You can't tell, except for the purple, that's Eliana. She looks like a, and we got a couple more here. So, uh... That's me right there, and that's a Keller. We, we have a great time. I think there's one more. I'm not sure. There we are. Okay. So what does that have to do, Pastor Kimmy, with what you're preaching about tonight? Well, I want to bring you to that. I want you to look at those verses that we just read together. And there's some words I want you to pay attention to, and I'll tie it into why I'm showing you pictures of my family all geared up. But there's two phrases I want you to pay attention to tonight or draw your attention to. And one is the phrase, clothe yourselves. Everybody say, clothe yourselves. And then the second phrase I want to bring your attention to is over all these virtues, put on. Everybody say, put on. And I asked Kella, Kella, can you come help me bring your bag of goodies up here? Come on. Come on up here next to me. This is my youngest son, Ikella. Come on up here, buddy. And as you notice in the pictures, and most of you know, when winter comes, there are some very strategic and essential pieces that you must wear. Am I right? Okay. Now, we all know the word layer, right? And in our house, hi, how are you? You're handsome. I like you. And um, so normally, what? Um, normally, of course, this guy is usually the one in my house that wears his long johns nonstop, okay? How many of you wear long johns, second layer, base layer, cake and call? Whatever. In our house, we call them goonies. I have no idea why. Don't ask me. Um, so normally, we have on goonies, right? Well, why don't you pull out another piece of, of gear that we use? Uh, how about, yeah, pull it out. Just pull out something. So, of course, you saw in the pictures that we were all geared up. What you got? Okay, so hold them up to everybody. You gotta have what? Gotta have gloves. Anybody like going out there and wiping off the truck with no gloves? No, thank you. All right, so gloves are essential. What's next, buddy? What you got right there? Oh, yes. Beanie or hat, whatever you like to call it, right? Okay. <laughs> you look great. You can leave that on if you want to. All right, what else you got in there? Oh, oh, yes. Boots, okay? So all of us know we're familiar with all of these things that we need to put on. And believe me, in my house, when Emma is home, there's seven of us. And when we decide to go outside, it's like a, it's like a, um, a conveyor belt of, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You have to add on extra time just to get your gear on, just to get out the door. Sorry. All right, what else you got? What's that? What is that? 
Oh, yes. Okay, especially when mom's towing you around the field going 20 miles an hour, you want to have a face mask on. What else you got in there? Pull out something else. Oh, okay. What are those? Snow pants, right? Snow pants are essential when you're going out in the cold weather. What else you got? There's one more thing I think I asked you to bring. What's that last thing under there? You got it? Yeah, that one. Pull it out. All right, what's that? (laughs) Goggles, ski goggles, right? Snowboarding, whatever you like to do. Yep, that's great. Now, all of these things are essential. Now, what if you decided to only wear one or two of these things and go outside? Would you like me to pull you around my pasture 20 miles an hour with just gloves on? Some of the kids are like, yeah! What about, what about without your snow pants? What would happen? Oh, man. Okay, what if you put on all the gear, but you forgot the last piece? Pull up that last piece. What's that? Uh, who said that? Say it louder. What is it? It's a coat. Put that on, Kella. Now, you've, you're going to you know, get on your goonies, your boots, your gloves, all right, your snow pants, your face mask, all of you, bud, your beanie. But what ties them all together? Your coat. It'd be kind of silly for you to get ready to, for me to pull you. I would probably take you guys going about 30 around the pasture, right? Okay. And all the youth are like, Yee. okay. But it would be silly for you to not have that coat on. Thank you, Ikella John. You're awesome and handsome, and I love you. Pack all, you can take all your gear with you. Now, I brought, I had him bring these here, and I showed you these pictures. Because Paul's writing to the book, um, or to the church in Colossae, about what they're supposed to clothe themselves. What they're supposed to put on as believers, Now, just like it would be Akella's choice, if he wanted to, thank you so much, son. Guys, give him a great big hand. You have a choice of what you're going to put on when you go out in the cold. Is that correct? Sometimes my kids have races to see who can run barefooted, you know, out to the dumpster taking out the trash. They'll put on their slippers and run out to the dumpster and take out the trash. Um, a matter of fact, we've even had contests before. We, we uh, have a hot tub, and I remember one particular time, they decided to jump out of the hot tub, race all the way out to the chicken coop and back in just their swim trunks. How many of you guys know that your skin will burn? You jump back in that hot water? Oh my goodness. And so it would, it's your choice though, right? My kids, they love it and they dread it. But my husband and I have this policy that when that first snow comes, no matter when we leave the house, guess what you're going to have with you? Okay, even if, okay, mom, we're going to the church. I don't want to wear my snow boots to church. Okay, that's fine. You're going to throw them in the car. Why? Well, in case we slide off the road, in case we see somebody that needs help, right? Okay, and so then you would have the adequate gear to be warm and to help take care of that person or, you know, take care of yourself, help your, you know, dig your car out. Who's ever had to dig your car out? Okay. So you understand how essential it is to have this gear. And tonight I want to bring to your attention that in this cold world that we live in, 
Do you understand what I'm saying? In the cold world that we live in, we need this full ensemble to make a difference in this world. All right? Now, I want to bring to your attention the first word, and that is compassion. Verse 12 gives us a list, all right? And this is your ensemble of what you're supposed to clothe yourself with. Look at this list. Just like Ikella showed us all his gear, the first one is what? Compassion, kindness. What's the next one? Humility, gentleness, and patience. And then at the end, it says, over all these virtues, it's like the final piece. You got to put your coat on, right? Over all these virtues, put on love. And what does it say? Which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, he wasn't talking to people that were, you know, that were unbelievers. He was talking to the church. And he was talking about the choice you have, whether or not you're going to clothe yourselves with these items. But I really want, and I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that we're going to focus on that first one. Because that first one leads up, it leads all the others. The first one is compassion. Now, I love doing word studies. I don't know if any of you out there love studying the Bible. I love doing word studies. And I love looking up the actual definitions of words. And when you look up the definition of compassion, now some of the kids, just bear with me, adults, you'll get this, but then I'm going to give it to you in plain English. The definition of compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distresses together with a desire to alleviate it. It implies pity coupled with an urgent desire to aid or to spare someone. Whoa. When you look at what that word means, that's not just a simple word. And kids, here's your definition. It's a feeling that moves us to action. It's the feeling of seeing someone in need. The feeling of, of, of seeing, it's more than empathy. Did you know that? Empathy is just the feeling. Okay, you're feeling that person's pain or you're feeling their distress or you're feeling their trauma or you're whatever. But compassion goes a step further. Compassion compels you to action. Everybody say action. Compassion compels you to action. Now, Jesus was the ultimate example. He's always our ultimate example. If you ever need an example, you look to his life and how he lived. Jesus was moved by compassion over and over again. If you pull up your U version or you pull up your Bible gateway and just search for the word compassion, okay, start in, you know, start in the New Testament over and over and over and, um, and over again, Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion. Jesus saw the woman and had compassion. Jesus saw the man and compassion and had compassion over and over and over again. That compassion moved him to take action. And what did Jesus do? He healed all their diseases. He fed them. When he feeds the 5,000, do you know how long they had been with him? Three days. They had been with him for three days. 
It moved him to feed them, to teach them the truth. And what I noticed about Jesus was that Jesus, when he was compelled and moved with compassion, he gave up his time and his attention to minister life, to minister life. Everybody say time and attention. To have compassion in this world, you're gonna have to give up your time and your attention. The last time I was able to preach, had the privilege of preaching, I shared with you a story about how we were in Maui uh, back in September for my bestowal. And I just shared with you how it was so different to go because Maui is so uh, much stricter than we are with COVID. We kind of live in a bubble, I'm just saying. We're really blessed here in Wasilla. And while we were there, I just noticed that you almost didn't look in people's eyes anymore. That, that there was almost a disconnect and how this whole thing that we've walked through together as a society has really caused people to be introverted, caused people to care for themselves and to, you know, to, to make sure that they feel safe, okay? And I, I spoke last time, I don't know if you remember, but about how the Lord's called us to look beyond ourselves and to offer compassion and to look people in the eye and to help them. And I want to bring some stories to your attention in the Bible that the Lord really spoke to me about, and they have to do with Jesus. So turn in your, in your Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And this is one of my favorite stories. This is a story, who's ever read this before? Raise your hand. Okay, this is the healing of a demon-possessed man. I'm gonna read it quickly. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Listen to this. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. The people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. What a phenomenal story. Now, what the Lord showed me in this, it's an amazing miracle. It's an amazing miracle of the authority of Jesus. But the part that I want you to look at and focus with me is in verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus gave him his time, his attention. He didn't just cast the demons out of him and keep walking. He sat there with the man. He probably made some of his disciples give, them, give him some of their clothes. The man was clothed. In other versions, it talks about he had no clothes before then. He was naked, running around in the tombs. And Jesus was sitting with him, had clothed him, and was having conversation and the Lord spoke so clearly to me. Nowhere in the word in this passage does the word compassion come. But it's obvious that Jesus took time to minister to him. And it, it speaks to me because he wasn't just going from here to there to here to there. He was giving people a piece of him. He didn't have a schedule to keep. He had a heavenly schedule because his father was telling him where to go and what to do. But look at what he did here with this man. He didn't just you know, shove him off to somebody else to take care of. No, he clothed him, he sat with him, and he ministered life to him, even so much so that the man begged to go with him. But instead, the Lord used him as a powerful evangelist, and he went and spread the word of what Jesus had done. Let's look at another story. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is one of my favorite parables, and if you've grown up in the church at all, you'll, you'll know it. Luke chapter 10. The parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And I love the story because Jesus was teaching and one of them, you know, one of the, the people there, an expert in the law, matter of fact, stood up and said, teacher, this is in verse 25, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I love Jesus. Well, he asks him what's written in the law. And so he goes on to say, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. 
But the man wanted to justify himself. So he says, and who is my neighbor? Can you just, can you sense the little bit of uh, snottiness, snobbiness in that? And who is my neighbor? And what kind of parable does Jesus speak? He speaks of the Samaritan people who are basically Israel's enemies. They despised one another. And you'll read on, if you take time to read through this parable about what happened, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers. If you've read the story anytime, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up and left him for dead. And it's amazing to me because, uh, let's see, who came by? A Levite came by, a priest came by, and they walked the other way. And who does Jesus use to teach compassion to the people that are listening? A Samaritan. And look what the Samaritan did. What did he do? But a Samaritan, verse 33, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Look at, look at all what he did, the time that he took. Bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses. So Jesus asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And of course, the expert in the law had to say, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Isn't that amazing that the Lord would use that parable to teach us about compassion? Can you imagine your greatest enemy, the person who doesn't like you, coming upon you, or let's turn it around, the person you don't like, the person that you have ill against or who rubs you the wrong way, and you come across them, their truck's on the side of the road, in the ditch, what do you do? But I gotta be, just asking. The Lord is telling us to have compassion, to have compassion, to love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to the book of John, John chapter nine. John chapter nine. I'm not gonna take time to read this, but this is the story of Jesus healing a man born blind. They were going along with his disciples and they see a, blind, a man that had been blind from birth. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what he does? He spits and makes mud and he slaps it on the guy's eyes. Don't know why he does that. I have no idea. He's Jesus. He can do what he wants. Don't do that to heal somebody unless Jesus tells you to. Saying, okay. Um, I'm just saying, okay. We don't do that in our church. Just letting you know, we use anointing oil, not our spit, okay? All right, just, just a little side note. And we, 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 uh, we, I tell my kids, whenever you, you know, 
pray for people. It is a must. You have gum. I don't want anybody doing like a, you know, a complimentary fall to get away from your breath. So we don't spit and we don't have bad breath. Just, y'all are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all are over there. You know, some of y'all have done that. I know you have. I'm just joking. I don't want them falling out because of my breath. I want them falling out under the power of the Holy Ghost. All right? Anyway, so Jesus tells him to go wash in the pool. And what happens? He gets healed. This is an interactive um, preaching message tonight, just keeping you awake, okay? I understand. Um, yes, I know. And he, he tells him to go wash in the pool. And what happens? He goes and washes his eyes, and he can see. He can see. Oh, my goodness. And it says in verse 8, Okay, so the man, or verse seven, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, Minister, Pastor Kimmy, how is this a, a story of compassion? If you keep reading, listen, if you keep reading, he gets questioned. Sorry, my hair is driving me nuts. He gets questioned by the Pharisees. Why? Because it happened on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were all about keeping that law, right? Can't help people on the Sabbath. And so what happens? The man comes home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him. Isn't this the same guy used to sit and beg? No, it only looks like him. Okay, so ends up, he's investigated by the Pharisees. They call him in and he gives a shining testimony. I mean, brilliant. Well, the Pharisees can't believe it, right? So they call him in again. And the dude's like, I already told you what happened. They still are arguing. What can't, that can't be from God. It happened on the Sabbath. They call his parents in. Did you know that? And his parents are like, what did you do? We're going to get in trouble. Okay, and they're basically like, uh, you can talk to him. He's old enough to answer for himself because they didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue. Okay, so they call him in again. The dude is getting harassed because he can see. I mean, come on. It's a miracle. And the Pharisees are arguing about it because it happened on the Sabbath. Oh, Lord help us. All right. So basically what happens, he preaches to them. This is what, this is what I love. Verse 30 in Luke chapter 9. Look, he, I mean, he gets them good. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's teaching the Pharisees. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, Pastor Kimmy, what does this have to do with compassion? Look at the next, next section of verses. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, wait, 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 wait. Jesus went looking for this man that he had healed. Why would he do that? He already healed him and moved on. Why would he do that? 
The man was harassed because Jesus had healed him. Yet Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. He was moved with compassion for this man he had already healed. He went to go find him. And what does he do? He admonishes, he reveals himself. Look at this. He says, do you believe in the son of man? Verse 36, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Wait a second. Did you catch that? The Lord was so concerned for this man's faith, he went back and found him, revealed himself to him so that he could confirm his faith and so that this man could believe in him. How compassionate is that? He sought him out. He took out time to go find that man, to raise him up and say, you are right. I am he. I am the son of man. And the young man believed. I'm telling you the compassion of the Lord. How many times in your walk of faith have you been badgered and pushed around and yet the Lord comes and finds you and says, believe on me. Believe on me. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. In all of these stories, in all of them, not only does Jesus display that compassion, but he displays the full ensemble, all the gear we talked about in Colossians chapter three. He displays compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and above all, he put on what? Love. He was the full ensemble. And every time he ministered, he gave it all to the people that he loved, to the people that he ministered to. Do you know what compassion leads you to? Compassion leads you to mercy. Mercy. I love in Lamentations where it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His mercy towards you and me is new every morning. What does mercy imply? Mercy implies compassion that forbears punishing even when justice demands it. Let me read that again. Mercy implies compassion that forbears punishing even when justice demands it. How many times has the Lord shown you mercy? Think about it. I wanna share a quick story. When I was living on Maui and uh, Easton and Emma were young. Hi, Emma, if you're watching, I love you. She's in college. And um, there was an area of, of Emma's life, she was only four, and Easton was two. They were very cute. They're still cute, but more handsome and beautiful than cute. And um, there, was a, there was something I had been working with Emma on in, in an area of discipline. And I had warned her over and over again, if you do this again, okay, all the mamas and papas out there, you understand, okay, I was trying to break a pattern. If you do this again, I'm gonna have to discipline you. Why do we discipline our children? 
because we love them. Okay? The Lord disciplines those he loves. Okay, just check in. All right. And we were having company over that night. How many of y'all know? Anyways, we were having company over. I remember who it was. It was the Agawas. And they were over at our little Kula cottage where we were living. And in the middle of us having dinner, guess what Emma does? The thing. And guess what mama has to do? After I cleaned up her mess. And she knew, she knew, because mama had had that talk with her before company arrived, you know, down here. You understand, yes, mama. So she knew what was coming. So I cleaned up her mess. I sent her to my room while I cleaned up her mess. And she proceeds to travail on my bed. The door's closed. We have company. It's a very small house. And she's on our bed waiting for me to come in. And she's, the four-year-old is travailing. I haven't even done anything. I'm cleaning up her mess. And my husband goes, what is going on? We got company, I know what's going on. Okay, so I get her mess cleaned up. I go in my bedroom, and I mean, the girl is full, not faking it. I mean, she's not faking it. Full on travailing. Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mom, I don't do it again. I said, Emma, I understand, but I warned you, and I told you, don't do this again. I, I know, Mama, I know, but I prayed. <laughs> I prayed, and God said you weren't going to give me a spanking. What am I supposed to do now? I mean, honestly, what would you do? And I'm sitting, I mean, and this, she, okay. This was not an act. I mean, the girl had been travailing. I had heard her, okay? And I don't want to make God out to be a liar. Right? And I thought, if she ever uses this excuse again, it ain't going to work. Okay? But the girl meant it. And I, I mean, I mean, she is full on repenting, full on, and just wailing. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says, Kimmy, sometimes mercy is stronger than discipline. And right then, this mama's heart broke. I put down that wooden spoon. <laughs> and I looked her in those big brown eyes, and I said, baby, I'm not going to spank you. <gasps> oh, mama, thank you. I mean, just the relief, the relief. And she hugged me and kissed me, and we rocked and cried because mama was like, oh, God. And then the Lord 
Lord says, Kimmy, how many times have I had mercy on you? Oh, God, you didn't give me what I deserved. But you had compassion on me. And what did his mercy for me do? Drove me to him. Luke 6, 36. The Bible says clearly, if you can put it up, be merciful just as your father is merciful. It doesn't mean that discipline goes out the door, parents. Do you understand? But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you or speaks through your four-year-old, you got to listen. Why should we show compassion? Ephesians 4.32 says it plainly. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We should show compassion because we have been recipients of the compassion and the mercy of God. I want to read some verses to you tonight. Not only should we show compassion, but the Lord wants to show you compassion. He does, and I want to prove it to you. Are you ready, media guy? Here we go. Psalm 51, 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Mm. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And lastly, we're going to read out of Psalm 103. Psalm 103. It says this, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. He crowns you. That's why we should show compassion to one another, forgiving each other, bearing with one another. If you skip down Psalm 103, verse 8, again it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And lastly, Psalm 103, we've stayed there, that same chapter, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I want to encourage you tonight, clothe yourself. We are living in a cold world, a heartless world, 
where people want to know, does love really exist? Is there really hope? Is there really compassion? People have become so focused on themselves. And the Lord is calling us as believers. I want to read that verse one more time. If you can pull it up, Colossians chapter three, it's the one that we opened up with. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, thank you. Therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I wanna remind you of the pictures of me towing my kids. Don't leave your gear at home, put it all on. You will make a difference in your workplace. You'll make a difference wherever you go. You'll make a difference in your family if you will clothe yourself with those things. You have a choice whether or not to put it on. You know, all of those things come from the Lord and he never runs out. He never runs out of compassion. He never runs out of kindness. Gentleness, he's gentle with you. Humility, patience, and most of all, love. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.